Hi, this is Nancy Herald, and welcome to my show, High Road to Humanity. In every episode, I tell you powerful true stories filled with great wisdom that you can use in your own life as you strive for a higher road to travel. My featured guests will have their own unique stories to tell that enlighten your mind and your soul. So kick back, relax, and learn the secret to success when you take the high road. Hi, this is Nancy Ureld, and welcome to High Road to Humanity. And I have a fabulous lady here today joining me from Wales. And Iona Jenkins is here. And Iona, welcome to High Road to Humanity. Oh, thank you, Nancy. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm excited you're here. She's written this really cool book, To Sing with Bards and Angels. And this is right up my alley. I can hardly wait to talk to her about this. Let me get give you a little information about Iona. She is an author. She is a creative writer. She's a poet. She has an MA in education from Brunel University, professional diplomas in person-centered counseling from Matuya, uh, I'm sorry. Matanoia. Matanoia, yes, Institute in London. She's also a hypnotherapist. She began uh, life as a French teacher in her home country of Yorkshire, which I think is super interesting. Then she became a clinical hypnotherapist, which is awesome. And she developed her own practice. Now she moved to London to the Vale of Glamorgan in Wales, brought uh, Iona to a more relaxed creative life. And she's traveled, you guys. She's traveled all over the place. She's written tons of poems in this cool book to sing with bards and angels. She has poems, she has practices, but I guess what I want to know, Iona, is tell me your story. How did you start writing poems and how did you connect with the angelic realm, I guess is what I'd like to know. Well, I've been writing poems for a, a number of years now. I think it started in my, my 30s and it started after quite a traumatic time. Oh. It started after the breakup of my first marriage. And um, I attended a spiritualist circle and I, I sat in this circle with a, a group of people and suddenly I found I was writing poetry. I found that I was wanting to go out into nature. When I was out in nature, I was writing poetry. I started, you know, taking a notebook with me everywhere I went and the, the poems just flowed and I put them in folders and folders. And oh eventually God. it wasn't till I got past 60 that I did anything with them. Yeah, I was still busy working. Right. Well, <laughs> did you? That's my excuse. Yeah. Well, was that when you first put your book together? Did you put a book together at that time, Ben? Um, no, I just collected poetry. It was it was years later that I wrote a book. Okay. In fact, I didn't actually write a book until I came to Wales. I had 25 years in London where I, I you know, I worked in multi-ethnic societies. First of all, teaching French. And then I retrained um, from my MA, and it started with mentoring um, student teachers. Right. And I retrained, and um, I became a counselor and psychotherapist, and then a, a hypnotherapist. Wow. And um, during that time in London, I started going to the parks and gardens, you know, because it's so built up, you actually need green space. 
Right. So I became members of various places and I started spending time, free time in parks and gardens. Then the poems started to really flow. I yeah. started to get idea, ideas from, um, you know, for <laughs> stories. And I started to get little bits of philosophy dropping into my head. Mm -hmm. um, and it just carried on and on. Then I found labyrinths to walk. I don't know if you're familiar with Well, them. and yeah, let's talk about that because you talk about it in your book. And I don't know if the audience know, and I, I looked it up and I did a little research myself. Labyrinths are paths. They're, um, they're pathways. I also saw that they were from medieval times, from Druid times. Um, yes. Yeah. Give, and I also looked that there are labyrinth locations and I looked to see because there's a labyrinth society. Yes. And so talk about this. Uh, this is educate us because I know nothing about this. Well, I had a booklet from someone in London at the, Christ at the Christian Spiritual Center. Now, I was practicing Buddhism at the time, not Christianity. Right. And at the Christian Spiritual Center, they were doing a, a one day course on labyrinth walking. So I went along to see where, what, what it was about because I was kind of intrigued by it. Right. Something had hit a note. And I'd become intrigued. Yeah. So I went along to this thing. And the, actually in the city of London, near all the banks and the financial institutions, they put a labyrinth in the pavement that you can actually walk, which is quite amazing. I walked this labyrinth. It was only a short walk from the spiritual center. Right. And after that, I started to find labyrinths all over the place. People had put them in churchyards. I found one in West London. Um, at the back of a convent and every fortnight I'd go and knock on the door and ask the sisters if I could actually walk their labyrinth and they'd always let me go into their garden and I'd, I'd go and do that now this was like a seven circuit labyrinth it's like a path to a center and when you walk in it it's like you walk into the center of yourself oh so gosh. as you walk in it it really slows you down and there are various things you can do on a labyrinth. You can ask for answers to questions. You can ask for healing. You can ask for inspiration. Is it um, an energy? Is it an energy center? Um, it seems to be something to do with the, the sacred geometry, which is a spiral, which is something you find in nature everywhere. Okay. Spiders, webs, shells, you know, you can find it. You can find that pattern everywhere. And it's something to do with the geometry. And you, and you have this idea that you're walking to the center of yourself. And then in the center of yourself, in the center of the labyrinth, you can spend time um, in meditation, wow. sort of, you know, waiting for answers. You may not get them. But then when it's time to walk out, sometimes they come on the way out. Yeah. Sometimes they don't come and sometimes they come a week later when you're standing in a supermarket checkout. You know, it, it's quite amazing what can happen with it. And I found it was making me more and more creative. I was getting ideas for stories. The philosophy was flowing. I was walking the labyrinth in different seasons, um, actually taking notice um, of that season through my senses. My senses were developing. Mm -hmm. My strongest sense is sight anyway. Okay. So the colours were more or less exploding. Um, I was listening more carefully, although I did learn listening, hearing and listening are things that, and feeling are things I really developed as a counsellor. 
Wow. Um, you know, in client centeredness, you have to be empathic. You have to be with the client mm -hmm. and you're listening on a, a lot of different levels. Mm -hmm. um, but the labyrinth was increasing that along wow. with the poetry. That is um, amazing. Very creative for me. So I was obviously my path was becoming creative rather than therapeutic, yes. although I found that my creative path can also help to heal. I've healed bits of myself, bits of my own psyche by writing. Mm -hmm. It's like writing my way into being, if you like. Yeah, no, I'm with and you. It, and it kind of connects to the ancient bards. Now, in West London, um, I don't know if you've heard of Kew Botanical Gardens. It's a place where they do conservation, that they take um, seeds from all over the world and grow things. Um, and they're conserving those those particular species for humanity. Okay. Um, and it's an amazing place. And all the time I was in there, I, I would I got a membership, like a friendship, so I could go in whenever I want because it's quite expensive. But if you have a membership, yeah, it's a great thing. Sure. And um, so I would go into Kew Gardens and I would just sit there, meditate or walk. And all the time I was getting ideas as this was going on. And I got the idea that there was a druid talking to me. I don't know why. Um, and druids, of course, are the ancient Celtic, is the ancient Celtic religion. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd not thought about druids before until then. It was only when I came to Wales, which is a more Celtic place. Yes. That I decided to, you know, look into that more fully. And that's when I came up with the bards, um, the Celtic poets, okay. the actors, the musicians, the people who passed on the ancestral stories. Um, through, they, through their poetry, through yes. their stories, yes. Enchanting people, raising consciousness, opening doors. You know, it, it was quite amazing. It was They were quite magical. Yeah. And still today, um, modern bards, you know, obviously some play rock music <laughs> <laughs> and some some do modern art. Um, you know, people, some bards do crafting. Sure. Making, making crafts out of wool. Um, and some of us just write. And a voice develops, and my voice developed into a, a creative, um, lyrical style. And I thought, well, I, you know, if this is my voice and, and bards can actually open doors and chant and raise consciousness. Why can't I write to do that? Ah. So I thought I won't write an academic book. Okay. I'll write something in flowing spirit. Now the bards had this thing, this name for their inspiration, which is Awen, A-W-A-A-W-E-N. Yes. yes. And yes. you talk about that. Go ahead. Yes. Yes. So I, I thought, well, why don't I just write in the Awen? Why, why make it academic? Then it's accessible mm -hmm. to as many people as possible mm -hmm. um, for people to kind of look at this and think, wow, you know, um, I don't have to be a great artist. Maybe, you know, I, I paint little pictures. Maybe it's okay to do that. Maybe the few words I write on a, a piece of paper are, are fine. Maybe that can develop from that small space. Um, and that's that's how this this book to sing with bards and angels is supposed to work now right. where did the angels come come from? yes when did you start talking because i communicate with angels and she's yes. always uh, my my guardian angels right here now you say you can see can you see them i can see them in my third eye if you like in my so forehead. do you see my angels next to me she's gonna look 
I I can see I can see an energy around you. Okay. Yes. It's interesting. I just wanted to ask now for the people on the podcast, I'm asking her if she can, because my guardian angel stands right here. Yes. She's right here. It's, it's, it's like a feeling of energy around you. And it's how, you know, when you link into somebody, you think that person's all right because of of what you feel. Right. When you're sent, when you develop your senses, you can link into that and think that person's safe for me. Right. And I would, you know, I would look at you and think you're safe for me. There's a, right. a guardian energy, a nice energy. Right. Now I'm an empath, so I can feel it. Like I can feel your energy if I tap in, but I can't see it. I always oh. think it's cool when people can see auras. I can feel and I know I have, I have mm-hmm. claircognizance or clair, yeah, clairsentience where I just know sometimes. Yes. And I want to know about this with you. Sometimes I don't want to know. <laughs> <laughs> have you Sometimes it's best not to <laughs> have you run a, and this is what I've run across I mean we might as well talk about it you know there are times where I I I'm so psychic because I'm tuned into God tuned into the divine mm-hmm. so somebody will say something and I'll just blurt it out and then I'm like oh yes but it's quick you know it comes quick yeah. um yeah. do you find yourself doing that too yeah it's like something drops into your head and you you say it yeah write it and you think oh where did I get that from I know I know and uh, it it, it's it's a strange thing in that I met this if I go back to the bards and angels for a minute yeah let's do it I I was in Rome I used to have some Italian neighbors and they invited us over and we, we were in Lazio and I'd spent the day in Rome and I'd been in the Sistine Chapel and I'd been looking at Michelangelo's art. Yes. And I'd been wowed by the statue in, in St. Peter's of La Pieta, you know? Yes. Cradling the dead Christ and how accurate the muscles and sinews were. Yeah. And, and it was just so ima- amazing. And it was like I, I was picking up the feeling of, of this nurturing mother looking after the dead child, you know? And... It was a feeling of sacred feminine almost, of being nourished and looked after. And and the feeling that, you know, that the angels belonged to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and after I'd been doing that, I went back to Lazio and I walked outside with my notebook and I sat on a seat. It was late afternoon and the sun was shining and the trees that in gardens were covered in ripened lemons. The scent was unbelievable and the, and the beautiful colors and I sat down and the, the earth looked kind of red where I was sitting and there were mountains rising in the background mm. and suddenly the whole thing seemed to mingle like the angels from the, the art the art itself the statues and the nature that I was sitting in the whole thing seemed to, to mingle together to like an interplay and I thought language of angels suddenly mm-hmm. Um, this is a language of angels. It's an inspiration. And I started to write a poem. Um, and I wrote a poem called The Language of Angels, filed it like I usually do. <laughs> and then uh, years later, we moved here. This I was living in London then. Years later, we moved here. And then one night, there's a full moon outside. And I live in a, a small flat on yeah. the edge of a cliff right. with a balcony that overlooks the water, the sea. Mm-hmm. Um, in all weathers and I could hear the sound of the waves it was February it was winter 
There was a full moon on the water. It was full silver. It was absolutely gorgeous. And I was like sitting in meditation. And I, I got this picture of, of a being in my mind's eye, kind of tall, um, very serene, pearly white, with edged in beautiful pale colors, you know, like, like a shimmer from the moonlight. And, I, and I, I called it an angel because that's my, you know, that's come to me culturally. That's what I know. That's that came from my Catholic background, and right. and 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 coupled with what I'd seen in the Vatican, which ah. had nothing to do with the priests. It was more to do with the art. <laughs> it was the th the whole thing seemed to make sense. It was like, well, I, this is an angel. I'm looking at an angel. This angel can can tell me things. So. I thought, well, why don't I write down the thoughts I'm having? And then the thoughts started to turn into a conversation. Right. Like, like I'd think of a thing to say, and then I'd, I'd, an answer would come into my head. Yes. And then I'd keep doing that. Yeah. And I never got the angel's name for quite a while. I don't think I, I'd say the angel's name around about chapter 17 or 16 of this book. Yeah, you um, don't. And, and tell the audience. Yeah. What his what the you say it's a man you call it a um, man, it doesn't. It feels like it a, a male energy. It seems to be, mm -hmm. but then sometimes it appears to be very feminine because it it actually seems to work through the moon, uh -huh. through the moonlight. So it it connects to what you know what we call the moon goddess, if you like. Okay, there's a femininity about it. It's soft. Right. It's never harsh. Right. Um, it, it, the wisdom is gentle. It, it's always beautiful. It never judges. Right. He, she never judges. Mm -hmm. Yes, I'd say it was male because I'm female. I, I guess if I was male, it might appear female. Right. Well, yeah. I wrote down, you say, and I think this is what the angel says. You were talking about, um, it's Oren Moore in Gaelic and yes. the great song. And it says, I wrote down, when the mind and heart come together, the language of angels is easy to translate. Then you will create love. Yes. That's what you said. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I'll, more than anything, I think the angels bring in for me, um, what I've learned more than anything, and I want to know what you feel is love. Yeah. And I think that's, that's the main thing that there is. Mm -hmm. Um. You know, the Buddha said, with with our, our thoughts, we create the world. And I think that's probably quite true. I agree. But if we introduce our minds to our hearts, then maybe we would create with love. We wouldn't yes. create the world from our stupidity. We'd create right, it from, from, here. from a loving place. Yes. But maybe we have to clear bits of shadow in our on our quest to do yes. that. Yes. It's like a quest for the Holy Grail, if you like. You're looking for... Um, this cup of love, which is somewhere in the heart. And it on is. the way, you, you meet all these little challenges on the path, which can last your whole lifetime. Yes. But you're meeting these challenges and not saying, oh, right, I don't want that part of myself. It's rubbish. I don't want to be like that. You know, um, to actually say, okay, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to find out about you. Because sometimes these dragons, are guarding really, really brilliant treasures. You know, like if we never felt fear, right. we would never know we were in danger. If we never felt anger, we would never know when our boundaries were being broken. It's just that not to act it out and go around destroying, to think, well, how can I use this to, cre to create um, 
a decent boundary that doesn't hurt anybody. Yeah. You know, I just want to know your feeling on this. I am, as you're speaking, I'm thinking about the war in Ukraine and I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. all the, the anger that's gone on in the world. And what I feel, and not to sound Pollyanna by any way, I just feel like, you know, personally, and from talking to other people like yourself, the more you connect with God, the more joyful you become. And when you're connected and you can say God, you can say divine, you can say yes. whatever you want, source. Yes. I don't care what you call it. Yes. But these people are destroying because they're empty on the inside. Mm-hmm. What happens in my mind is that energy fills you up so you're not so empty. Exactly. I would agree wholeheartedly with that. And, you know, I sometimes I feel compassion when I think about what is happening here. Right. Because it is so sad. Right. That people are not connecting. You know, for somebody, you look at somebody who's creating a massive problem in the world and you think, well, that person doesn't go out and see the sunrise. That person doesn't see angels in the moonlight. No. That person cannot connect to the earth to see in the sky. That must be a terrible existence. You know, even though that person may be deluded. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. No, that's absolutely true. And I think the more of us, you know, and they talk about the great awakening and and I want to kind of know your thoughts on it. I feel like personally, the more of us that talk about it and that raise our vibration, Mm -hmm. we help to raise other people's. What's your feeling? What's going on over there in Wales? What's it like? Do they talk about these things like you and I are discussing? Um. It depends who you're mixing with. You know, there are various places here. Like we've got a Buddhist center. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got various Christian associations. Um, I think there's a Theosophical Society somewhere. Um, there's also see... rugby. Yeah, but do you see that? <laughs> but do you see? Rough. Yes, there you go. But do you see the average person like starting to wake up and pay attention to this kind of stuff? I guess is my question more than anything. Yeah, I I, I do actually because. Um, I belong to a writer's circle. Now, my writer's circle are really nice people, and I've known them a long time. And we read our, our stuff to each other. Now, my stuff in the beginning was a bit of a shock. Yeah. But the more my voice developed, the more people became became accepting of it because it was authentically me. You know, we're all authors. So for me to be somebody else would have been impossible. They, they started to see that this was authentic for me. And that that was my descriptive voice. And people started to love the description and the, the lyrical description. And one one person said how soothing she thought it was. Would you like to read? It. Yeah. Would you like to read a, one of your poems for us today? Something yes, that would you, you would. Yes. Would I'd you love... like the language of angels? Yes. yes okay. Yes. But the prose itself, um, I'll go on. Um, I'll read you a couple of little bits. Okay. I'll start with the language of angels because that's where it started. Okay. There is peace in the dove grey mountains and in this rich red Roman earth as late October sunshine wraps my skin in its subtle scent of ripened lemons. The leaves turn slow from green to gold I see my inspiration like a lighted lamp. And then my mind becoming still at last is more than just a little glad to be here in Italy. 
such a warm embracing place where my own creative truth outruns the waves of restless racing thoughts and the sound of my heart's voice rises speaking soft in the language of angels beautiful wow that was that's uh, beautiful <laughs> i'll Is read there... you a little bit of prose <laughs> okay sure Okay. The, the full moon is going to keep me awake, so I decide to stay up for an hour or so. I light a candle lantern in the doorway where my balcony looks out over the darkened sea. Next, I drape a blanket around my shoulders to stay warm with both door and heart open to the still night air, the lilting music from the harp of the ocean and the bliss of being able to float upon the notes of the great song, which in Gaelic is known as Or and Mur. These words expressing the idea of a creative spirit do in fact suggest to me a greater musicality than their English translation. Every time I think about them, a deep sense of connection to a living, breathing universe wells up enfolding me in its vast musical cloak of wonder and magic. That was beautiful, Leona. Wow. <laughs> you know, when I went over, when I saw your name, I don't know if anybody's ever, people probably say this to you all the time. When I went to Scotland, I bought this cross that I wear. Oh, wow. I've worn it for many years and I yes. bought it on the island of Iona. Wow. It's an Iona cross. Yes, ma'am. And I went there, I was going through a weird part in point in my life. And I, mm. I'll tell people there are these Celtic crosses that are standing on the shores and they're gigantic and they have, uh, they've all been, I don't know how it's carved out in the Celtic. Yeah. Yeah. In the Celtic, but bottom line is I want to know what, you know, have you, I'm sure you've been to the Island. It was an island that was first, you know, uh, some of the first Christians, they say, were there in Scotland. That's right. It was St. Cuthbert. Mm -hmm. And his, his his parents were Druids and he came from Ireland. Um, and he went to live on Iona. And he did quite a lot of peacemaking as well as walking around healing people. And they say that he slept upon a that his pillar was was his pillow was made of stone. Oh my you know, God. it was a it was a, a natural stone. Um, and there's a little chapel there to him in the abbey, and it's very, very beautiful. Um, Iona is where I, it, it's like I felt myself on Iona. I, it was yeah. like I found, really found myself. Yeah. And that's why I'm called Iona. Okay. <laughs> All right. I thought so. It was like the island said, you know, it was like I felt the island called me by its name. I know. Hold on a minute. Hold, I have to show you something. Hold on. So I bought this. This is, I've had this for, I don't even tell you how many years. This is from the island of Iona. Ah, wow. Yes. A horseshoe. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yes. I got, <laughs> isn't that crazy? And it, Iona has, and it's funny, when I saw your name, it brought back so many memories because it's probably been 20 years, but that place had a magic about it. It, it's something, it's an incredibly special place. It's like the, it, there's a thinning of the veil there. 
it's almost like you know the other world and and the everyday yes. world meet meet yes it's quite amazing and i watching a sunset on iona i got this definite impression it was almost like a deep voice saying to me inside you can heal with words because you can and I, I became a I became um, a hypnotherapist after that. You know, I I did a course in hypnotherapy to go with my counselling psychotherapy, and it it um that went on for ages. And and I guess maybe bards when they're actually, you know, enchanting people, it's a form of hypnosis, I suppose. You know, sure. it, it works. It opens the door like hypnosis help people to change. Especially, I worked a lot with anxiety. Oh my gosh. And I bet you and, helped a and, lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. And, and working with people without confidence and even working with some, some very um, successful people who were frightened of public speaking. Yeah. That's it's, true. It's quite amazing. Well, I, there's a couple other things. We've got more time. I want to ask you about this book is really, really awesome. You guys, I just want to mention again, the name it's to sing with bards and angels. And angels. it's by, Yes, and it's by Iona Jenkins. And I want to talk to you a little bit about trees. Oh, great. <laughs> yeah, I I will. I just moved in. I was in New Mexico for so long. I just moved to Arizona. I saw you spent some time in Arizona. I did. I'm up here in Payson. You probably know where I'm at. I'm not too far from Sedona. Uh -huh. I am. I moved up here because of the trees. And people are like, why did you go here? And I'm like, I wanted to be by the trees. <laughs> and people will laugh at you. But you went, you talk about the trees, you talk about the redwoods in your book, you talk about the strength, the stability, the grounding. And then you say trees have a strong connection to the earth through their root networks and to the sky mm. uh, through their branches. And I was just, I, there's a connection. I feel a really strong connection to the trees. And mm -hmm. I wanted to know what, I wanted to hear your feeling about it yeah it's if i if i don't feel grounded if i if i feel like my energy is not too stable i would go out for a walk and lean on a tree now it's not exactly tree hugging but i have favorite trees around here you know in the parks in this little town and i'd go and lean on a tree and you can ask the tree a question like you can ask your angel and maybe it's the angel talking and maybe it's the tree right. leaning on the tree and actually touching the bark and saying, I, I've got problems with this. Can you help me? And they always do. I agree. And, and when I leave, I, you know how the shamans used to leave tobacco? Yes. Well, I don't I don't like the smell or the feel of it. So I leave little dried rosebuds. <laughs> Oh, that's beautiful. No, that's beautiful. Because that's what I do. I'll like look for some tobacco or keep some so I can give it, yeah. you know, back to yeah. the land. But I never thought about that to give yeah. rosebuds back. Um, my feeling is this is just I feel like the trees have, you know, been here forever. They're here before us. Mm -hmm. They're here after us. They have yes. so much knowledge, so much wisdom. Yes. Um, I feel like the energy of the trees, you know, I feel like I needed the energy of the trees. I wanted to be close to the trees. And there's that, mm -hmm. there's mm -hmm. something that draws you close. Like you talk about nature. That's there's right. there's something when you become really spiritual, then you start to realize the connection. And of course, in Druidry, trees are very sacred. Maybe I was and a Druid too, huh? <laughs> you might have been. <laughs> but, you know, there was a, a connection with Native When I was in Arizona, I, I definitely felt the connection between 
uh, Native American and, and um, Celtic Druidry. There's, a, there's definitely a connection. Looking oh, at the rock, okay. I could see Celtic knotwork. And the, oh, it was almost oh, like it was reflecting oh, oh. my own culture back to me. But so saying, like, thousands of miles away, we're all connected. In like the flowing patterns of the Celtic knotwork you've got on the cross there. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Um, but trees, definitely. Well, let's go um, to the, let's talk about the Celtic knot there for a minute. Cause as you're talking, I'm thinking the knots were put, they all have meaning. And I'm just wondering, you know, when you say connection and I'm thinking of the knots, you know, was that their way of, you know, wasn't that their way of their clans connecting? I don't know. What were the, what is the, what, why am I feeling there's like some kind of connection there between the Celtic knots and the connecting with, do you know what I mean? Yes. I don't I, know. I can't actually explain that to you. It's just that the Celtic knots, it's like continuous flow. Is that and what the, it is? When, okay. when you're standing, when you're standing in trees, you would probably feel a continuous flow. Oh. And you might feel that there's a connection between the two things, but also the connection between druids and trees. Now, the other day, um, a very sacred tree, one of the, the most sacred tree is the oak, I suppose, but the, another one is an apple tree, which is connected to longevity and health. And one day I was sitting there and I had, I'd been reading and I had this, image of a, an apple tree right in my face covered in apples and I remembered that when I was working I used to have an apple for lunch every day oh. and because there was that old saying of an apple a day keeps the doctor away I think it and, does well you know I haven't had touch wood a lot of illness in my life right and when I gave up work I stopped having the apple a day and my cholesterol went up and so I'm getting this apple tree so I think well I'll, I'll eat the I'll eat the apples again. I'll go and get that apple a day again. And having done that, I went out for a walk, and it it was you know late September, and I'm walking down the little back roads in this small town I live in, and suddenly I'd never noticed them before, but the, the apple trees there were apples hanging over walls. It was quite incredible. It was like I'd got the oh apple tree God. inside, and there it was outside. Right, you you um you created it. Yeah, it was like. Yeah, there was a connection, you know. Yeah, I found it inside to to get it outside again. And yeah, start eating the apples. Yeah, I think it's a manifestation too, because whatever comes to mind when you're that in touch, then yeah. you're immediately drawn. You know, that's yes, what I think yes. from that. Yes. I want to know what you think. <laughs> you wrote so many <laughs> cool things in your book. Um, you talk about ravens, and right, yeah. The other day I had like five of them in my yard and I'm like, this is crazy. Really? Yeah. Wow. And so I'm like looking up ravens, trying to figure out, you know, all about them, but you talk about them. And um, you also talking about uh, establishing relationship with pets, which I think is so important. So do you want mm -hmm. to kind of address, would you mind talking about that a little bit? Yeah. I don't have a pet because I live in an apartment, you know, we're not allowed to have them, but I have uh, had them in the past. Um, and to connect, I connect to animal spirits quite easily and dogs like me. And, you know, I remember doing a, a meditation in Kew Gardens once. And when I came out of the meditation, there was a peahen near my feet. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> it was sleeping near my feet. And it wasn't there when I went into the meditation. Oh, my goodness. So it's like they're the, drawn. The animal spirits come to me and I, I, I like it. 
Yeah. Um, and connecting to pets is one way of actually activating that. Ah, okay. Yeah. All right. Fantastic. You start to feel the soul of the pet. Right. Maybe the wild things come. Right. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about. You talk a lot about the Aetherian magic. You talk about Avalon. You talk about Avalon Mystery School. I was just curious. I wonder if you share some of that information with the audience, if you can. I thought that was fascinating. Well, Avalon was kind of, in Aetherian legend, Avalon, also known as the Isle of Apples, um, and Somerset, where that is, um, is famous for making uh, for apple orchards and cider. Uh-huh. And, um, so the Isle of Avalon was where the nine priestesses to the goddess were, and um, there was a, there was kind of the two legends have got mixed up really. Um, Christ and the twelve disciples, and King Arthur and the twelve knights, and both of those exist in a place called Glastonbury in Somerset. Mm-hmm. Now Glastonbury is a kind of very new agey town, you know, where you can buy all sorts of gifts and people dress in crazy clothes and um, they do goddess ceremonies in the streets. And everybody's lovely, though, you know, everybody says hello to you. Right. And then there's a place called Chalice Well, um, which I connect to very strongly, um, and a place called Glastonbury Tor, which has a tower on the top. Okay. which is like the chalice well is like the feminine, the tour is like the masculine. Okay. And I always think that when I've had enough of Glastonbury High Street with all the shops and all the people, I'm going to Avalon now because I've got a membership of Chalice Well. So I'll go off to Chalice Well, which has this ethos. Everybody's welcome in Chalice Well. It's not for any one religion. It's, it's ethos is many paths, one okay. source. Okay. So I'll go, if I go there, I'm going to be in Avalon. Um, and I find that that is a sanctuary, you know, it's a fantastic place of peace. It's it's a place in the other world. It's a place that exists in the heart. Um, if you find it inside, then maybe it manifests outside. And if we could right. all find our own Avalon, we could manifest a lovely world. Wow, that's beautiful. I think that's how we're going to end it today, Iona. What do you think? Uh, yeah. That, that seems like a good note, a good note to end on. It's beautiful. You guys, how do people get in touch with you if they want to? Do you have any kind of website? I think you do. Is your I name, do. isn't it? Ionajenkins.com? It's Ionajenkins.com. The book's called To Sing with Bards and Angels. Yes. And um, it can be bought from, in the States, Barnes and Noble, of course. Um, most bookshops, I suppose you can order it from. It can be bought from my publisher, which is johnhuntpublishing.com. Yes. Or it can be bought on Amazon. Yes. Um, I'm also on Facebook. So oh, if anybody wants to make Facebook friends with me, then I'd be happy to talk on Messenger. And that's under Iona Jenkins as well. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Iona, yes. you have been just a joy. Thank you. Yeah, you too. I've enjoyed talking to you a lot. Yeah, me too. Um, it's been really fun. Uh, Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. Hey, you guys, we're going to get out of here for today. Um, I want you guys to have a fabulous week. If you need an angel reading, go to my website, nancyyearout.com and book your date and time. I hope everybody has a fabulous week. This is High Road to Humanity. Everyone take care and God bless.